0: Who would come and save all of Israel and restore the kingdom? The Messiah would be, of course, the new King of Israel. Malachi 3 1 says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way of the Lord. The Messiah whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming says the Lord of hosts. John the Baptist came 450 years later after Malachi and he prepared the way of the Lord as prophesied. He preached and declared that the Messiah was already about to make his appearance. John warned the people to repent of their sin now and confirm their change of heart by confessing their sins and to be baptized with water. Furthermore, in Matthew three eleven Jesus said, Yes, and I mean John said John said, I will baptize Yes, I baptize you with water. I baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is much mightier than I am. I am not even worthy to carry his sandals instead. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus came and was baptised by John to fulfil all righteousness. Then the Spirit of God descended and alighted upon Jesus. A voice from heaven declared, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. In Luke 4, 16-30, The prophecy of Malachi 3.1 also, we read the account of Jesus, the Messiah, suddenly appeared in his temple. He appeared there. He read from Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are who are oppressed to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus put the book down and sat down and declared to all present, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Those present were astonished. Jesus had indeed come to establish the heavenly kingdom. The Jews thought that the Messiah would come as a warrior king a military leader, and he would re-establish Israel as a world power. Most of the religious leaders rejected Jesus. They chose not to believe him. So did most of the Jews. In fact, the Israelites and the Judeans wanted the Messiah to come and deliver them from oppression. They wanted the Messiah to come, which is nothing wrong being delivered from oppression, but they wanted him to come and do things on their terms. It doesn't work like that. We can only receive blessing from the Lord when we become obedient and compliant to his terms. Only God knows all that is best for all of us. He can see the big extended picture. We are not big enough to see things or even begin to understand things like he does. The best thing we can do is to simply trust him. Certainly the men of Judah and Israel were angry and hated the Roman oppressors. They were extremely angry. Jesus got angry once. It is recorded in Matthew 21, verses 12 to 17. Jesus went into the temple in Jerusalem. He immediately drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. There was pandemonium. And when things had quietened down a bit, he said, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Jesus was angry, but his anger was righteous. It was a righteous anger. Jesus was angry, yet he was still in control of himself, and he is still in control of all things. Have you ever been angry? I guess you have. I have too. I have been very angry. So have most men and women in the irrigation district in New South Wales and Victoria. The abusive, mismanaged by sheer waste of water to be uh, by the so many bureaucrats and politicians in power and the federal and state governments Today, the abuse of this water, the way they've handled it, the environmental vandalism that is, is desecrating our waterways and red gum forest in the name of scientific progress? Or is it, what is it? The superstitious fear that we have of this climate change is scaring our young people into thinking our planet will soon be doomed. Jesus already promised that the world will remain until he comes. So we have no fear of that. It seems that most people in Australia don't have a clue of who Jesus is today. If they did know who Jesus really is, our nation would be a better place than it is now. Why are authorities continuing to allow massive amounts of valuable fresh water to be poured out into the ocean in South Australia? Why not use this valuable Waste, wasted water gives grow food and fibre. Our economy is going backwards. Why are the authorities in denial of the foolish and destructive water management policies? Their policies are there, but they've got to get them right and fine tune them. And nothing seems to be changing. We have to have policy of some sort, but they need to get it right. And that's not happening yet. The good news is that Jesus is coming again, as he promised. He will come and take over all the government on on his earth. It is his earth. He owns it. He made it. He will sort out and restore things then. Yet for the time being, we can keep praying for nationwide rains to flood the Darling River again. That's where it needs to start. And this will revive and refresh the land again and put an end to the bushfires too. It will eventually rain again. Have you ever wondered why the Lord has not already sent rain to uh, rescue Australia? I do know he desires to get the attention of the people of Australia. He sees a bigger, bigger extended picture. He has his own agenda. The earth will remain until he comes so he can rule because he says in the book of Revelation that he will rule for over a a thousand years and he will rule with a rod of iron. The Lord desires our attention and he desires our obedience and he wants us to simply trust him. We have to do things on his terms, not ours. When he comes suddenly to snatch away his own people, To that great celebration in heaven. To be with him forever. We need to be ready and waiting for him. Because he is coming again. And it will come, suddenly it will come quickly. You know, several weeks ago, I was frustrated. I was angry, despondent. You ask my wife. She'll tell you. I was fearful. And I was in great despair. That was uh, not a good place to be. I wasn't in a very good place at all. I turned to the Lord finally, like you do, when you've had enough of frustration and you you know, it's funny how you focus on Him when things, when you've had a rough time and things are not going the way you'd like them to. So I turned to the Lord and I told Him, You know how and why I feel as I do. What do I have to do now, Lord? A quiet answer came, read the Beatitudes, listen to my words, take note of my teaching, that is, that I gave to my disciples. So I went to Matthew 5, 1 to 20 and read it and I received peace. I received that peace that only Jesus can give. And I say glory to God. I thank him for it. Just suppose that the Lord did send rain all over Australia now. It mightn't suit everybody, but just suppose he did. And the Darling River was flowing again and the bushfires were out, and the smoke and all the uh, polluted air was clean, cleansed and, and gone. The plants and the environment would flourish again. Yes, we would naturally rejoice and give thanks. And so we should. Most people... I say most people, not all people, most people would get up and continue to do, to do their own thing all over again. Our nation would continue to walk away from the Lord. Well, most would. I think it is written that God sends his rain on the just and the unjust. And that will it will rain eventually. But how sad it is that so many people will accept prosperity in, the, in this world, yet ignore eternity. Jesus went over, wept. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. I guess he wept over Australia today. When Jesus walked about in Galilee 2,000 plus years ago, he went around teaching and preaching in all the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the eternal kingdom. He healed all kinds of sicknesses and diseases among the people. His fame went throughout all Syria. he hated and delivered all who he healed sorry, he healed and delivered all who had mental disorders, epileptics, paralytics, and those who were demon possessed. Great multitude followed him from Galilee, Decapolis, Jerusalem, and beyond the Jordan River. Matthew five chapter verse one. If you'd like to follow in your Bible, you can have it open there if you like. We will be going through it a bit. Matthew chapter five, verse one to twenty. And seeing the multitudes, he went up onto a mountain, and when he was seated, he opened to his mouth to teach his disciples. There were twelve disciples there, including Peter who would later deny him three times, and also Judas Judas Iscariot, who would betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Peter would later repent and be saved, but Judas did not repent and he was lost forever. Years ago, a former neighbour of mine got married and she moved to Melbourne to live with her husband. And one day she was in a department store in the central business area. As she was going up the escalator, one of her shoes got caught and came off her foot. She managed somehow to rescue the shoe. Unfortunately, she was not hurt. And the shoe was okay, but she was rather shaken up by the experience, as you can imagine. She was attempting to put a shoe back on when a distinguished-looking elderly gentleman approached her with a chair for her to sit on. She thanked him and sat down. Yet then he took the shoe out of her hand. She said, Thank you, but I can put my own shoe on now, thanks. He replied, No, madam. Please allow me to put your shoe on for you. She protested. But he firmly said, no, please allow me. So she gave him and he put her shoe back on her foot for her. When she had a good look at his face, she suddenly realised that it was none other than Bob Menzies, the Prime Minister of Australia. She got a bit of a shock. And as she said all she could do, was all she did was blurt out Well, fancy that. Bob Menzies has just kindly put my shoe on for me. (laughs) Bob just laughed and wished her a good day and went on his way. In like manner, Jesus once washed the feet of his disciples. When it came to Peter's turn, he protested. No, Lord, you shall never wash my feet. No, no, no. And Jesus replied, Then Peter If you will not allow me to wash your feet, then you shall have no part with me. Peter replied, Yes, Lord, wash my feet and my head and my hands also. Jesus is the perfect role model and it is by his grace that, and by his grace alone that we meet here together today. We'll talk about grace a little bit later on. But now back to the Beatitudes. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 3, Blessed are the humble and poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek who are patient, favoured by God, who experience his salvation, for theirs is the kingdom. Verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled and completely satisfied. Blessed are those who show mercy, verse 7, for they shall obtain mercy from the Lord. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. you notice the word is peacemakers and not peacekeepers. There is a difference. Sometimes we need to go out of our comfort zone to make peace when we've offended someone. We need to do that sometimes. It's not enough just to keep the peace. We have to make peace sometimes with somebody. Jesus calls us to be peacemakers and to look out for one another. Verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all manner of evil, all manner of evil about you falsely, for my sake. Verse 12. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your, your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I have heard of persecution leveled at this church and other churches. And I guess we've all suffered a little bit of persecution sometimes. We probably don't really know what persecution is in this um, wonderful country that we still have. But sometimes persecution can be within the church. And that is sad when that happens. And that's where we need to bring, become peace peacemakers and, and sort these things out. If we follow Jesus, we will experience some persecution. It's what it, this is what Satan does, and he does it through people. Verse thirteen: You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavour, what good is it? It is nothing. It is nothing. It's good for nothing but to be thrown out and to be discarded. Verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a high hill cannot be hidden. Verse 15. Nor do men light a lamp and hide it under a basket but on a lampstand and it gives light to all nearby. Even a small light dispels the deepest darkness. When you're in a completely darkened place, you've only got a light, a match, provided it will go. And you can actually, it does dispel the darkness and you can see something. Verse 16, Let your light so shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Verse 17, Jesus said, Do not think I have come to do away with or undo the law or the prophets. I have not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or title shall pass from the law until all is fulfilled. Whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Yet whoever does and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 20, For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. This sounds like bad news here, doesn't it? Jesus says that our righteousness has to be better and exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees or we won't make it into heaven. I cannot make myself righteous I cannot make myself righteous enough to be accepted before the Lord, nor can anyone else. Even if I believe Jesus has paid the price for my sins, it is not enough. I Repeat that. Even if I believe Jesus has paid the price for my sins, it is not enough. Lots of people believe Jesus has purchased their redemption on the cross. But the simple good news is only by accepting the free gift of salvation, that Father God offers to us, will I receive it? Only if He offers it to me will I receive it. And when He offers it, we've got to take it. I had no, we had no trouble, um, when we hand out the present to our grandkids at Christmas. I had no, had no trouble receiving it. Just grab it. And that's what the Lord wants us to do, to take it and believe it. We believe it and accept it. Take it and acknowledge it and say thank you, Lord. Oh yes, I know repentance and all that comes with it, but The gift of the grace of God is free. So we simply believe the word that Jesus said and we take it. And in John 3.16, Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he made him who knew no sin it be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him, and that is Jesus. We have his righteousness, and we can't do better than that. Romans 5.17 For by one man's offence, death reigns through the one man, Adam. Much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in, in through the one Jesus Christ. Jesus completed the gift of salvation for all on the cross when he suffered and died for the sin of mankind. This was the most amazing gift, the most costly gift that God has given. We either believe in what God has done for us and accept this gift or we refuse to accept this gift. When we accept this gift from God willingly, it means that Jesus has paid the price of all our sin, past, present, and future. This gift is called the grace of God. You cannot lose this God because it stays with you. You're under the covenant of grace and you are clothed with the righteousness of Jesus himself. We are free to believe every word that Jesus has said, past, present and future. The word of God is true. We have amazing uh medical science today, incredible knowledge and it's amazing what our doctors can do and there are things they are still discovering. And um and we wait with waited bated breath to see what they can do for us next. And it takes sometimes it takes it month they discover a, a cure for something, I've got to try it out for a while and sometimes that can take five years before they can before it can be certified as safe to be used. But they do amazing things and we have incredible technology now. You know the technology we have today was only once portrayed in the past in science fiction novels and and the movies? It's incredible, isn't it? Everything we learn and discover is only surpassed by the One who created all things in the beginning. There is nothing that God does not know. He alone is infinite. He alone knows the past, the present and future. He has planned a future for for all of us, and it is a good it is good because he loves us and he has an eternal future planned for us. I choose to believe God. I choose to trust him and his wisdom above all else. How about you? Amen.